Welcome to Juice Podcast. I'm Emily Harmon. I'm Gwen Douglas. And today we're doing sherry, but specifically dry sherry. Cool. I feel like here, here, here I am. You guys can join my private sherry masterclass because I know little. <laughs> so I love sherry. So when we're talking about sherry, we're not talking about cherries, just to make that really clear. We're talking sherry sherry yeah so sherry coming from um andalusia in the in the south of spain very close to the uh, portuguese border actually um and it's an area there are sort of three main sherry towns um san luca de barameda which is the man where the manzanilla is coming from cadiz and jerez and the vineyards are found all around there and I guess the region itself is really known for this Albaritza soil, which is a type right. of chalk, okay. uh, which brings lovely freshness to the wine because it's a very hot area. Um, and there are some hills, but they're kind of more kind of like vast slopes rather than Gen- rolling yeah. hills. Okay. Gotcha. And uh, the main grape variety here is Palomino. Mm-hmm. And I always remember this. The way that I always remember the grape variety of Sherry is because San Luca de Barrameda is very famous... <laughs> For horse, ride, horse ah, riding yeah, on the beach, horses. and then I think of Palomino horses, and oh, yeah, that nice. was a way, that was my own little tip that I always give people learning about wine, if that helps them remember the grape variety, but probably not. if you don't know Palomino is a horse, and <laughs> Aren't they good, are they good looking horses? Aren't they cute? Yeah, they are, they're like, they're like a, a they bra- light, brown light brown colour with the blonde hair, almost That's like somebody fine. from Saint-Tropez. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And um, yeah, so Palomino is the main grape variety and sherry, sherry wine is a fortified wine. And not all of it's made under floor, but the dry wines that we're trying today is made under floor. floor. So we'll get into what floor is as we go. Uh, But the sort of driest, lightest styles of sherry, uh, the two that we have in our glasses here. So we've got Manzanilla. So not your grandma's sherry. Yes. No Harvey's Bristol cream here today, guys. Not what you find in the cupboard. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But actually, you know, there's a place for it. Yeah, absolutely. There's a and, place and a time for everything. Yeah, and sherry, in some ways, is very much like champagne for a number of reasons. One, um, it's a product that is often non-vintage. Right. It's a product that's also... A, uh, so, because it's non-vintage, it's a blend is of it multiple Solera vintages. Also with... Yes, yeah. exactly. And then um, it's... Uh, it's, a, it's also a wine that is really known for its blending. Mm-hmm. And then celebration the other commonality i find between sherry and champagne is the diversity in styles which makes it amazing for food so you could actually drink sherry throughout an entire meal right like you could start with dry sherry and have like oysters for example and then you could go through to some of the sweeter ones and have like pork chop for example like things like like even dry oloroso for example and then go through to like a chocolate dessert with pedro jimenez (laughs) or whatever so there's so much and cocktails, so you can do anything with it. Yeah. Exactly. Love it. My favourite little twist on a martini is with a, a dash of manzanilla or a dash of fino. And today while I was Googling some sherry stuff, I saw something that I'm going to try called the East Indian Negroni, which is rum and cream sherry. But I'm, I'm down Sounds to try amazing. this. amazing. We do a cocktail day, yeah. another day. So we'll start with, so we've got two, basically we'll start with these two sherries. So we've got manzanilla and fino, which are essentially the same. Okay. In terms of how they're made, they're exactly the same. The difference is, is where they're made. Aha. So Manzanilla always comes from the town of San Luca de Barrameda, which is very close to the sea. So That's it has a slightly... Palomino horses running on the beach. Exactly. And then we have a, a slightly different climatic condition here to okay. the other sherry towns and where the other vineyards are here. So because of the proximity to the sea, mm-hmm. we have a more moderate climate, right. which means less fluctuation throughout the year and also through okay. day and night. So I guess this, yeah, because the sea just 
just keeps it yes and also the a little bit more saltiness from the sea yeah. too um more humidity obviously mm-hmm. as well and then as you go inland to Cadith and Hereth right. you have more extremes between day and night temperatures and more extremes through the seasons as well so okay. what you find is this layer of floor which we'll get to what that is it fluctuates differently so for ah, interesting. in in San Luca it's more constant but like kind of let's say medium and then in Cadiz you have times in the uh, in the year you have times where it's like very very thin oh, almost gone and then other times where it's very very so I guess thick. that changes how much oxidization it gets if it's really thin it gets yeah more and I think also like the flavor of the wine yeah, is like different also yeah, the yeah. grape varieties because of that those hot sunny days like fino tends to be a little bit richer sometimes right, okay. than manzanilla too manzanilla tends to be a little bit more fresh but salty. they're both made with palomino palomino the same way so what okay. happens is grapes are picked Wine comes into the cellar, right. the cellar master goes round, checks all the wines, decides... Oh yeah, they get is, graded, right? Exactly. Is this going to be, is this the profile in the wine that's suitable for Fino gotcha. or Manzanilla, the dry styles, or is it more suitable for sweeter styles? Okay. If it's decided that it's for a drier style, it's fortified to a certain percentage. Right. So most of the dry sherries, I think it's like 14.5 to 15.5 for Manzanilla and Fino. Mm-hmm. And then for the sweeter ones, it gets fortified at a higher rate. To right. The floor, which we'll get to, dies dies, and yeah. cannot exist. So the sweet sherries like Oloroso okay, gotcha. never have any floor because okay, they're yeah. fortified so the floor can never grow. Never grows. Gotcha. And then here, we're, so what we've got here, Cellar Master's decided this is going to be dry sherry, Fino right. Manzanilla, fortified to a certain percent. Floor grows on the wine, which is a layer of yeast, a little bit like when we talked about in the Jura episode. Yeah, like a veil the veil but it's yeah it's known as floor and then that layer of yeast grows over the wine and that protects the wine from oxidizing which is why this looks like a standard white wine because if that layer of yeast was not on the wine yeah it would go brown it would take on more nuttiness but what it does i always think of it a little bit like imagine cutting open an apple and covering the apple with cling film to stop it from spoiling from the air and that layer of yeast right. being a little bit like the cling film, it's not going to protect it from ever from changing right. colour, but it's going to slow down that process ah, of the colouring. That's a great, actually, yeah. way to put it. And also flavour it. So the yeast yeah, totally. also gives this this slight nuttiness and this little mm. yeastiness to the to the wine as well. Um, but yeah, so that that's the diff- That is literally how fino and manzanilla okay. is made. And that floor can live depending on barrel to barrel, up to I think the oldest one I know. I think it could. Five to seven years would be as late as it could get. Wow. But most of it's a couple of years. A couple of years. Okay. Yeah. And then it's like eating whatever it wants to eat and exactly. dies away. Exactly. Because yeah, okay. there's nothing for it to sustain no itself left, yeah. on anymore. Gotcha. Yeah. Cool. And that floor character also gives even more of an impression of freshness in the wines. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I think it's to do with the production of acid aldehydes in the, in the wine that does that. But, yeah, very cool. Um, I mean, already yeah. the smell is intoxicating yeah. of just sitting here yeah it and smells to t- really nice yes. and then it reminds me of just eating food every time i smell sherry but it um, actually does make you hungry there's a savoriness about the smell that's like it's like eating you want to like yeah yeah get in there and i think one thing just to touch on as well because you mentioned the solera system because i think it's important that yes. people know solera system and they know what that means in the blending yes. is that there's something that happens in sherry bodegas, which are which is called fractional blending. So if you imagine every year you fill a barrel, obviously not the whole way, and then there's another row of barrels from the year before that was not filled properly, uh, and it's like part, the pyramid scale. Yeah, exactly. So little part pieces of the new wine goes into this master blend. And the reason for this is just to create that brown and that like consistency. consistency. The same, same with champagne. champagne. Exactly. The non-vintage yeah. thing. Yeah. So, like, it's cool when you see a bottle that's, like, 
hundred years or more on the bottle. I mean, there's going to be fractional amounts of yes. what was there, but it's still there. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, this first one. So the first smells... one for everybody listening on the podcast is the non-vintage mm. Guterres uh, Colossia um, Manzanilla. I just want to check. There's not a cuvee name. No, it just says Manzanilla Seco. I mean, this already smells like some can, some wine. Just yes. Just I mean, I've definitely had some wines that already smell. <laughs> Similar. Yeah, it's got this nuttiness, like almost yeah. like almond pith. Like but we then, could be in the Jura right now. Yes. But like for me, quite a lot of mm. apple, apple yes. fruit. You smell the apple already when you're just sitting over here. Yeah. Just the smell is that cut apple smell. Mum. Mum. Yeah. So delicious. So yeah, it's got this lovely saltiness. Oh, yeah. That's a... Light, refreshing, yeah. salty, dry, thirst quenching, mm. goodness. Yum. Goodness. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, because yeah, there's so much of it tastes like a wine, and then there's just that little, like, bomb of salty. Yes, it gets you in the middle. There's this little, um, like, bar snack that you see in Spain called a gilda, which is usually a toothpick which has a pickled onion. An olive, sometimes an anchovy on there as well, yeah, and then jam. like these pickled chilies, and you just eat it in one go. So you're it's just like this on the side. Is that yeah? This, on the, this on the side, and it's mm, just yeah. like when you have that and this, you're just like, oh my god! I mean, I could just live like yeah. this forever. Ah, yum! I mean, I yeah. totally want to eat that right now. <laughs> yes, I'm quite hungry. So. And yum. how do you find mm. it? I mean, did you taste the fino as well? I'd be interested to no, see I what you think is the difference yet. between the two. I mean that. Smell-wise, already, this is taking me away from wine into something, into its new incarnation. Because yeah. this still smells like wine to me. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely a bit fruitier and it's a bit lighter. Whereas when I smell the fino, I get like almost some waxy notes as well. Yeah, I can see that. Like a wax apple. And, and almost like a kind of different type, like a golden delicious apple rather than mm. a Granny Smith green apple like yes. you see in the Manzanilla. I think like both of them have that, when you said apple smell, it is like the smell of an oxidised apple particularly this one this one yeah yeah like so, really the ones that you've cut up they've been left in a bowl if you've covered them you take it off that's the smell you yes. get this like for me it's like yellow apple. apple skin it's funny because like also pineapple does the smell also where it gets that bruised apple smell yes yeah what were we and then i bought some like cheap pineapple juice recently mm-hmm. and it's like driving me i can't drink it because all i can think of is bruised pineapples when i'm drinking it it upsets well, me. Well, that's because you're a pineapple snob because there's nobody else I know that has the pineapple in their house through <laughs> yeah. 365 yeah. days of the year. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this is really... Also, I really like how, like... They're crazy different how, but similar at yeah, the same time. but how they also skirt the line between savoury and sweetness. This, like, what I, I mean, for anybody who appreciates umami, mm. <laughs> I mean, th- this is, especially like, this, number especially one. Especially this one is, yeah. like... I mean, we're going to get more umami as well. So the so the fino that we're drinking for everybody so like a little soy sauce. Yeah. for everybody is the Cesar Florido fino, and I really like this producer. And actually, they're a little bit different actually to other finos because they are in Chipiona, which is actually not that far um, from the coast. So they are a saltier, like it's more similar to a Manzanilla than other finos. Usually, there'd be a little bit more of a marked difference between the two. And I'm sure as well what we're seeing, I'd have to check the backs of the bottles, see if there are bottling dates, because not everybody does it. It could be that they were bottled at different times as well. You know what I want to eat with this? What? Fried rice. Fried rice. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> like I want to eat some fried rice, like 
Mm. Pork fried rice, mushroom fried rice. Mm. That would be fucking delicious. It would. Actually, it would. I've never thought about that. Like, just a... With the little shrimps in. Yeah, even with the shrimps in. I mean... Mm. I'm like, ah, ah. Lucas went through a phase of making a lot of tiny dried shrimp stuff. And I'd be like, is there a tiny shrimp in here? Yeah, but I cut it really small. I mean, so it doesn't exist. I mean, it tastes pretty fucking If you strong. can't see it, it doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah, like, okay. It's like when a kid goes, you can't see me. Yeah, and he's like, yeah. I can't see you. <laughs> but this would be actually phenomenal mm. with some Chinese food. Yeah. And I mean, mm. look, really simple pairing. Yeah. Like a plate of ham on. Yeah, yum. Ham on. Come on, come on, come on. <laughs> come on, come on. <laughs> yeah, yum. Mm. Even like, I mean, it's just because of the umaminess, I think it's like a really interesting thing for pairing like all those other odd umami things. Yes. Like eggs. Miso. Yeah, miso, eggy dishes. This mm. would be great also with like an omelette. Mm. Even like a pork broth. Ramen. Oh, yeah. Ramen. <laughs> Yum. Yeah. It's interesting Amazing. with this fino, how it's just got this touch of oiliness to it as well, which gives it even more of this umaminess than the mancinia. Yeah, maybe because the way it coats viscos- your mouth, yeah, yeah the viscosity really yeah. like gets into every cranny. Where this is like... Yeah, like drinking the water of the ocean. Yeah. Wow, really... Mm. And I still stand Delicious. by this statement. I've said it for a long time. The wines from Sherry... Oh, the best value wines in the world. <laughs> because you don't pay much for the bottles, even right. the top ones. Like, even the, like, single barrel, when that wine's been really? sitting there for, like... I mean, I've had wines... There's a wine that I love, which I couldn't get hold of for the podcast, which is called um, Tresillo from uh, Emilio Adalgo, and it's... and So it's Tresillo 1874, and it's a Solera that was started then... And you try, you try this wine and you're just like, oh my God. I mean, the trade price in the UK, I think, is, like the, is over 40. So okay. it's, like a two, it's almost like a 200-pound cherry. Like wow. it's like 180 or something if you put it on a full margin. And you're trying, like the average age of that wine is like something like 45 years. Crazy. Like through the blending. Yeah. And it's just like, it's so detailed and complex every time you go back for it. And you're just like, you just don't get this level of quality. Right. And this... This also this level of like craftsmanship actually. I mean, this um, is a and, long and the story and the history and all of that mm. sort of stuff. I guess like it's like this. such a different creative process to making something like this because you always have to take into consideration what came before you. There's no way to break free quickly. Like if you get hired, you you are actually sort of yeah, but it's, taking... stu- it's stewardship in many totally. ways. Yes, exactly. I think it's just a really interesting and different creative process for someone making these kind of wines because... A bit like Barolo, actually. Yeah, you can't just go off on your own direction. You have to. You are chained somehow to what happened before. It becomes your launching pad for what you do. You can't, yes, because you can't also with some of these wines, you're never going to see the results of lots of them. No, exactly. So I think that's really fascinating in terms of like the people making it and how they... Mm. approach what they make because it's actually a very uh less ego driven than wine for whoever is making it because you're part of a community of people in time before you and after you that you're just part of the puzzle 
I mean, it's interesting. The other thing that's also interesting about this area is there are like Spaniards that are doing this, but there's also obviously as well there's like a huge influence oh, from okay. from UK colonialism. Yes, because I, I wanted to ask about this because I know that there are some type, but sherry is one of there the... are some fat. Yeah, it's the same. Also, like with bought, for example, right. like you have a lot of influence as well from different families, right. wealthy families in these areas. But also how it travelled, right? That a yeah. lot of these fortified wines were kind of the only thing that would make it to England. Yeah, I mean, that's also why... Like, there are why many theories yeah. around why that they even yes. fortified, and one of it was... One of the theories that you see with a lot of these regions was longevity. Yeah, travelability and... Yeah, getting into boats. That's really cool. Yeah. Both yeah. delicious. You know, I don't think I've had a sherry in a really long time. Like, a really long time. And I like port. I love a good port and tonic with lemon in the summertime. White port. Yeah, white port and tonic. Mm. Delicious. Do you think, are these also cocktailable? Yeah, I mean, so here at Aura, where we are, which is my restaurant for anybody that's on audio uh, that, that Gwen and I are sitting in at the moment, we serve fino with tonic water. Yeah, lovely. I mean, I would... It's amazing. So refreshing and delicious. Light, and it's also lighter yeah. than a gin and tonic. Right. But really good. And we, we always have at least two sherries yeah. by the glass here too. But nice. A fino, usually a, like a fino and Montiato dry sherries, because I think... You know, actually, there's almost no sherry culture here so in Germany. Actually, I would say, like, so the last time I had a, well, one of the times I had a port and tonic and white port and tonic and recommended it to Luki and uh, Lucas Maratz when we were out at this Thai place, I actually think this would be also a great, when we just talked about, like, the other one being great with fried rice or something, I think a cocktail version with tonic and whatever would be great mm. for Asian food also. Yes, I mean, Asian food, like particularly Japanese food, yeah. I, I think sherry is amazing for. I remember Even being Thai on Thai food to go yes. up against fish sauce and all that kind yes. of stuff. And, yeah. and, like, and also like a lot of lime, garlic, yes. you know, like you need stuff that has a, enough personality. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I think Thai is a good call. I was, I actually, the, my first trip to Hereth was maybe, I mean, it was, yeah, it was before I moved to Berlin. So I think, I think it was in like 2014. I think and I remember going and I was with uh, a friend of mine Ben who had he'd been buying for uh, a restaurant called Rocker in mm -hmm. London which is like an incredible Japanese restaurant very okay. high quality um, and and he was buy like he was buying a lot of sherry and I said oh how do you find it work and they, they he actually said like sherry is amazing with a lot of the things because also yeah. when you look at foods like sushi for example even like if you speak to even though typically everyone thinks you drink sake with it actually if you go to a lot of sushi yeah, bars right. in, in Tokyo pe Japanese people are drinking beer yeah, okay. or, or something <laughs> else because Su like sake and sushi is is something that's both uh, or sashimi even it's textural but actually doesn't have that much flavor in many cases mm. so to actually have something with a bit more flavor I mean, like I wine is like yes transform sushi and sashimi i mean i feel like the next time we go to 893 here i want to order a bottle of sherry yes like, delicious also even yeah. just even just with like soba noodles with the soup that you get with that yeah. would be nice i mean looking at i mean him because he worked in like japanese restaurants for a long time we eat a lot of that kind of stuff at home and hmm, giving me a pause for thought for buying stuff at home it's interesting isn't it Soon also because looking loves it won't be long until you're drinking oh no also i know <laughs> also because looking i mean i always think about my partner obviously when we're thinking about like buying stuff together but i think lucas would also love this because he loves so much the jura and yeah and he's like really and also he cooks a lot of umami food as yes, well yes i think this is sort of something he hasn't thought of that i'm just for those of you on audio i'm just presenting the next one because like, she's double parked and she's oh yeah okay, double parked 
So the next oh, wine that we... <laughs> So the next one that we're moving on to is Valdespino Teodego Amontillado. So it's a single vineyard uh, wine. It's Look a dry sherry. Topaz. Yes. yes. Or amber. And I, I actually do... It's funny because Valdespino, they are one of the larger, larger producers. Not one of the biggest, though, but they are a large, okay. large producer. And I think sometimes the wines get overlooked by the wine trade because, because of the name. Yeah, okay. But the quality is really good. Like, I mean, I love this Amontillado and I love their Palo Cortado as well. Um, but I, for the context of today, it only made sense to sort of focus in on dry sherries. Yeah, it's just like such a of, massive world anyway. And yeah. I think everyone would get confused, including myself. Totally. So Amontillado, <laughs> for people that don't know what Amontillado is, Amontillado is a mature or aged Fino slash Manzanilla. So basically, what <laughs> the family tree? You can make a whole like telenovela about exactly. the exactly. sherry family. So think about <laughs> exactly. Maybe I'll make a cartoon. Yes. So like imagine like the Fino and the Manzanilla like adolescence, and then this is the the the, the fully grown, the matriarch, fully the fledged, yes. exactly the fully fledged adult. So what happens is the floor dies naturally because right. it can't sustain itself anymore because there's nothing to feed it's itself no with. Exactly. Um, so what happens then is you have a barrel with beautiful floor-aged sherry in that's obviously oh, not nice full, one, with no covering. So then it starts to go into an oxidative process where there is more exposure to oxygen, which gives it this colour, and it starts to take more flavour from the oxidative right. processes. But also, the longer this wine is in barrel, because they're only using barrel in, in sherry, or the sherry areas. So you're going to get all that flavour also It also from starts them. to take more. So when you try like a really old Amontillado that's been in barrel for decades, like it, it's almost like licking a piece of wood. Like wow. it's so dry from wow. all of these woody flavours. So you get more and more of that in this process. So it's... Amontillado generally could be anywhere between, on average, 7 to 12 years, but like way older depending on the producer as well. The and smell you is can amazing. see, just one thing to point out, it's 18% alcohol. So Ooh-la-la. the reason for that also is, is that... <laughs> Like, obviously, the longer the wine is in barrel, the more, the more it reduces, yeah, the more concentrated yeah. it is, the higher okay. the alcohol goes as well. It smells amazing, and I would wear this like a perfume. Because it is, like, exactly what I look for in a perfume, which is, like, skirting the... Naughty, woody. Yeah, but sort of, like, also skirting the, the line between masculine and feminine, if we're yeah. going to use this. And you know what? This always reminds me of a little bit, like... So you get this, like, butterscotch tart Yeah, I mean, note. it's, like, totally, like, caramel, but, yeah, salted butters- caramel, exactly, butterscotch. Exactly, salted caramel, butterscotch. And then there's almost like this kind of slight little bit of like prune character there yeah, as totally. well. And then the nuttiness too. Yeah, the prune thing is... And it I goes more into this like so. baked or roasted almond kind mm. of note. The smell is really amazing. Mm. I'd be curious to see if someone makes a sherry perfume. Mm. And when you try it, more glycerol. So there's more texture. There's more, more of this kind of silkiness on the palate. Yeah. But then more of the nuttiness on the finish where you've got Yum. this really dry finish. For me, this is like... And there's that umami finish at the end. Big time. Mm. Like, it literally tastes like um, like the pith of nuts, like walnut, almond. I mean, it's um, actually something that I really like about anything that's oxidative style because walnut is my favorite nut of all time. Yeah. So anything that has that, like, bitter, sweet, mm. nutty... This is really delicious. It's funny where it's like takes you somewhere and you're like, it's like trying to catch the end of a, because it's reminding me of lots of things and I can't quite put my finger on anything. Mm. 
yeah, I'm a big fan of this. Also, I think this as well is just, I mean, it's so gastronomic. This is also something for me. So I love a, like a Montiardo, uh, also with like some like particular cheeses, like usually mm. like an aged cow's milk cheese. This could be interesting with as a pairing. I don't, I stay away from blue cheese with this. I would mm. have more like a, some of the sweeter styles like Oloroso, uh, Dolce, the sweeter styles of Oloroso curious, like, blue. What was that truffle cheese that we had at my place? That'd be good because that was quite salty yeah, as well. it was well. like pecorino. Yeah. It was like a truffle pecorino. Yeah. I think this would be nice with this. I agree. It'd be epic. Mm. Mm. Actually, there's like, also again makes me think of lots of like odd food pairings, I think. I have, I, I think I, I, I have the ultimate food thinking, pair. I don't know why I think fish. But I don't know what kind of fish you would serve with it. Like but a like, weird fatty... I mean, like, for example, with the Fino and Manzanilla, when you're in Jerez, like when I was yeah. there, we went to bars where you had like a lot of, almost like tempura, where you had a lot of fried fish, fish fried anchovies, and you were having this, yeah. and it was just amazing. But I, I understand. I think even with this, like, you'd have, like, pork katsu, for example. Yeah, I don't know. There's just, like, fishy, yeah, like a ramen. Oh, but pork katsu. Pork katsu I mean. would be epic with this. Yes. Also, like, I remember one dish I had with ramen a Montiardo sure. that I love, which was, like, a, an autumnal pork dish. So it was, like, pork loin, and it had lots of, like, like mushrooms. Oh, yeah. Mushrooms and nuts, like, almonds. Yum. It was great. And the other thing, which I think is, like, hands down one of the best pairings I've ever had with the Montiardo, was this tatilla cheese, which is, like, it's called tatilla because it's, like, a teat shape. Like a titty. Like a titty. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's... and I love the names of cheeses. It's a little bit like an unsmoked scamozza for anybody oh, that's okay, had interesting. That. So that kind of texture where it's a bit rubbery. Yeah. But it's not, like, halloumi. It's, like, kind Fair of edge. a bit more stretch to it. So having that grilled, mm. so it's, like, fully melted... With quince jam and then like broken walnuts I mean, over the top, and I used you to fantasize like quince like a hundred percent with this. I I used to fantasize about this. I mean, I honestly do think there's nothing better better in the world. But the only thing better than cheese is, is melted cheese. <laughs> Put that on a shirt. <laughs> you know what's better than cheese? Melted cheese. If you're like doing toasted <laughs> cheese sandwiches anywhere, everyone's gonna buy one because as soon as they smell that yeah. melted cheese, they're just like. It's like donuts. You also can't escape yeah. the smell of melted cheese. <laughs> I, I used to work with a guy who, I mean, I'm going to say the smell of molten cheese in a tattoo shop is not what you expect, but he was really into making tosties, like tosty king. Maybe I even talked about What's his What's a tosti? tosti? To, like a grilled cheese, basically, like a toasty. But in the Netherlands, they call them tosties. Okay. And he would always do like so bread. That has a different connotation to me. Bread, cheese, bread, cheese, toast maker. So then you end up with melted cheese and crunchy cheese in the same thing. But then, like, the whole shop would smell like cheese. You can't escape the smell of cheese. Also, if you're going to fill a space with the smell of melted cheese, you better make share. sure there's enough <laughs> for everybody. No. <laughs> yeah. Nobody no. wants that. That's, like, literally torture. Like, if I, had, if I smelt melted cheese all day, I'd be like, <gasps> I'll tell you what torture is, is the other tosti he told me about when they were kids because apparently his mother was not a fantastic cook. So him and his brother would, like, race home from school and make what they called a tosti ball. <laughs> It's still one they want to make him. Like, him and his mother. No, him and his brother. Okay, so so okay. His poor mum. Like they would do this basically to like race, race home, make this thing so that mum didn't have to cook. So they would do bread, cheese, bread. Che- they just do like a stack of bread and Dutch cheese. You know, it doesn't melt very well. It's awkward. Bread, cheese, bread, cheese, bread, cheese, and then they would fucking microwave it. <laughs> and then when it came out, oh, the all cheese weird, was everywhere. They would make it. <laughs> 
into a ball. <laughs> and then How could it. they manage oh. that? Wouldn't it not be like really I mean, hot? Little boys will do. <laughs> little I was about to say boys will be boys, but that's, that that's phrase not cool. is not allowed no. on our podcast. No, little boy. I mean, little boys. children will do whatever they do. And <laughs> these kids decided that it was great fun. I mean, it does have that weird microwaved bread does have a strange texture. Well, it's sweaty as hell, isn't it? <laughs> Pack it into an apple shape and then eat it like an apple. <laughs> Tosty ball. <laughs> I don't mm. know how I ended up there. We went from gastronomic on Monteado to Tosti Rolls. To the worst. In minutes. I mean, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you need contrast to understand. It's true. It's how true. nice things are. Yeah, this is delicious. Actually, So like, we can all be happy that we don't have to eat a Tosti Roll today. Yeah. I mean... Well, actually, I'm really happy that you chose to focus just on dry. Because today when I was like doing my prep work, watching some videos, I definitely was like overwhelmed with actually how much choice there is within the umbrella of what sherry is yeah i mean i think at a later date we'll visit sweet sherries and i think also it's worth visiting just paolo cortado on its own to talk about yeah, that because it's quite yeah. an interesting quite an interesting topic because it's so vague and misunderstood but but i think like for people i mean we've t- we've talked about it a lot in other episodes this sort of like looking for new things and maybe sometimes it's not about looking for new locations of things it's about revisiting new things that don't exist in our timeline Mm. so like sherry has a little bit of a like misconception about being like for your grandma for like an older generation and i think our palates have developed enough i mean you speak to any like i mean brits any like in england as well yeah but psalms for sure love it it's a industry darling if i go to a corner shop in england right the best thing I'm going to buy, and it's not because it's a bad thing, <laughs> is probably a bottle of Tio Pepe Fino right. from Gonzalez BS. And I love that producer. They're huge. They're the biggest producer there by a country mile. But it's like, also great to see that big producers make good products. Yeah, they do. And they, yeah. I mean, they're sherry, they're bottling it regularly and they sell it. Right. Pre- so it's, they really like to bottle fresh styles of it's sherry. Moving, yeah, right. But like, and just, I think that's one topic just for any of our listeners that don't know how to keep sherry. So you're always yeah. told, <laughs> drink sherry, like as soon as you've got it, the fresher, the better, da, 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 da. And I think most people experience the sherry that they've drank that's been in the cupboard like the yeah. whole year that grandma pulls out at Christmas. Yeah, of course. So what I would say is with these styles of sherry, Fino, Manzanilla, and Monteado, for storing them, the best thing you could do would be to keep them in the fridge, 100%. I mean, yeah. It's not the end of the world if you don't, like, like, but it's better. When in doubt. It's a wine. When in doubt. Just put just everything put in the fridge. fridge. <laughs> yeah. Like, so keep it That's in That's an fridge. adult rule. And if it's unopened, it doesn't need to be kept in the fridge. And I... I'm somebody who actually believes the opposite of what everybody tells you when it comes to drinking sherry as young as possible. So when they say drink it as fresh as possible. So for me, like, for example, there's a style... I couldn't get one today for the podcast, which I'm annoyed about. It's a a style of sherry called Enrama, which literally means raw... Uh, and it's a style of sherry where it doesn't have the same filtration processes. Oh, interesting. So the whole idea is that when you're drinking this fino or manzanilla, it's almost like you've had it directly from the cask. So it's like even like more you just intense. Put your mouth. On yeah, the I mean cask. it's like the equivalent of like the difference of an unfiltered chardonnay to right. a filtered chardonnay. So there's like even more sherry. Yeah, wow. Yeah. And everybody says in Rama you should consume within six to twelve months. I disagree with in Rama and and anything okay. for these because actually like. 
it's a different style of wine, but it involves involves beautifully, like yeah. beautifully. Nobody ages, and I think this could be something that could happen in the future of people aging bottled sherries rather than yeah. aging being in the barrel. Yeah, man. And then seeing how that changes. I mean, I'm down. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. We'll start. Let's just fucking do it. We're gonna start a sherry <laughs> lab. We'll start a sherry bar. Start because, the sherry lab. Yeah. yeah. Sherry yeah. juice. Yeah. I mean, I think like. I would say, Sherry like, juice. this is a great, like, uh, I mean, for a lot of people that are, especially if you're into Jura wines or you're into oxidative styles of naughty wines, fuck, try them. Because I think, like, you, you might be surprised. I think I am surprised because when I think I'm about surprised Sherry, that you like it as well. Because if really? it went, well, just I also like that, Jura wines, but I... No, you know, but the Vangeron, you were a little bit like, nah. Yeah, because I think Vangeron often has an astringency that is much higher than these. These okay. feel like f- fresh and there's enough acidity, but they don't feel like they're killing me. Okay. Like the, when I'm left in my mouth, you know, it's like there's a nice f- flavors. Sometimes the Vajon is like too much, but I also don't know if I would drink a whole bottle for one meal. You know, I might try different glasses over a meal or buy something for one dish and or have it after dinner, have a bit before, have a bit after. I don't know. Hmm. I think... Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't taste like Vangeron. <laughs> Good. Yeah. I know, I'm just happy you enjoyed it. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> cool. So I'm excited for the next sherry. Could be a, could be a, a small snippet yearly of sherry <laughs> info. Because yes. I think there is so much to there is. absorb. So, yeah, this is sh- a, a, a brief introduction into dry sherry. If anyone has any questions... Um, or wants any tips on which producers to look out for. Uh, for those of you, especially in the UK, because it's not so commonplace here in Germany to find sherry in the corner shop, but I <laughs> implore you when you're desperate late night, like a bottle of Tia Pepe will be delicious. Yeah. If you like sherry, obviously. Um, but it's way better value than all of the sort of mass-produced wine <laughs> that you find in your local corner shop. And it probably lasts better being on the shelf there because it's fortified too yeah, right. because they've all been sitting around in the but, hot yeah yeah and yeah i mean you know also you can find some good old champagne like some bollinger that's been on a shelf oh i love it can be even better i used to live next to the train station in brighton man that corner shop was epic <laughs> everyone's going there for their last minute gifts so it's like sometimes you or get some good stuff gifts. i, I like, know the one that you're thinking about as well i kind of feel like england sometimes has like better corner shop action than I mean, I don't the know. Only dif- the only difference is this is where Germany wins. There's furniture in corner shops here, so you can sit yeah. down and drink. <laughs> okay, in fair room. enough. Yeah. They don't have sherry, pre- but they'll pre- have pre- corona at least. Yeah, yeah. yeah pre- yeah, corona, actually, I do least. love that. Yeah. That you have, like, you just chill at the corner yeah, it's shop. It's the cheapest place to drink. I mean, if you're going to watch, like. You can drink beers for a euro. Yeah, it's like the best place when it's, like, euro, like the euro football. That's how much I watch football that I'm like, you know, that the euro, euro cup. Foot, the euro cup. Yeah. <laughs> But I love the that, European like, Cup and the World Cup. And the World Cup, you know, just all the the only football I would watch. Those, those, those abstract human constructs. I know, but you know what's great? The cups, the football cups. The, I mean, they only <laughs> happen every couple of years. So it's not like part every of my routine. Every two years. I know, but it's just not part of my routine. I don't care enough. But what I do love <laughs> is sitting at Spetti's here on furniture and drinking cheap alcohol that you don't have to sit in a sports bar and pay like a huge markup you can sit on a bench outside and watch a telly that's been put on a milk crate and it has a much more authentic feeling feeling about it Mm. Mm -hmm. 
You have to pee it's in the It's so sidewalk, trashy but... that it becomes less trashy. <laughs> There's no loo and you might have to pee behind a van, but... You might have to pee behind that very television. Because <laughs> yeah. it's the only place. But it's also fun. Part of the appeal. <sighs> Is there anything else you'd like to add before we close no, up? No, I think we've... Yeah, good. Yes, I think we'll finish on that television. <laughs> <especially>. Lovely. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, if you have any questions, suggestions, and whatever love letters you can send them <laughs> to us on instagram at juice dot podcast and on twitter at juice underscore underscore podcast and you can find us each individually <laughs> on instagram myself at gwen douglas with a u g-u-e-n gwen douglas and emily harm well no it's not actually emily <laughs> that's her name but that's you find- mine yeah i know it's because you did your name i went into autopilot you can find me at vina lupa uh, on Instagram and on Twitter, yeah, at Vina Lupa. Yes. Otherwise, just Google us. It's not that hard. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, until next time. And subscribe. Yeah, subscribe. <laughs>